Linux Games Podcast. The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam. Brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux. And beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of a where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scoogie Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in, of course. Features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of... It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to episode number three. What the fuck? I four hundred and fifty-seven of of what? The best Linux games podcast being recorded for you on this Friday, the eleventh of August at uh, nineteen thirty hours. Crack engineer Iwar Molina over there in the booth, holding up the whiskey sign, holding up the whiskey sign. Yes, Ivor pray. Pray. It's a good idea. You're fired, Ivor. Alright. Good. That would, of course, make it for our sequel friends. Followers of the one true time and date format. Uh, what, 2023 08 11? Yes! 2023 08 11. Why does that sound. Anyway, uh, so, uh, it's 7 30 p.m. Left coast, Pacific coast, coast to the most. Um, we don't really have a show for you this 
What's that, Ivor? Well, that sound effect that you can only imagine using the power of theater of the mind here on uh, Best Things Games Podcast. Because uh, Ivor, who is fired, is a lazy son of a bitch. That sound means one thing. It's the bonus round. No, uh, it means that, uh, yes, we are clearing the decks, my friends and neighbors. Um, some game came out last week, right after, or right as we um, pushed out last week's episode. Um, it, you know, I don't know. It's some game. It's like a role-playing thing. It's called like Baldur's Gate Three or something. I or Ballsuck Gate. I think it's a porno game. Uh, there's three balls is all I know, and there's a gate. And it's me, Emma Wynn. Um, hey, it's me, Emma Wynn. Uh, and so, I thought maybe we'd talk about Baldur's Gate 3 this week. Uh, it's our only story. Um, yeah. So, sarcasm aside, uh, this is just, uh, what do you call it? For, not first impressions, but like, um, because I played it in early access too. The finished game, now that's 1.0 and out of EA, um, is, you know, it's really fucking amazing what this game is like. You really have to play it for yourself. I, will not spoil anything for you in uh, talking about it here today as the last fading fumes of what rem- the remnants of my Christopher Walken impression once so glorious uh, have been expelled leaving me in a vulnerable disadvantaged state so let us strike at me oh shit Ivor's got his sword Ivor loves this game so do I so will you. I just want to talk about spoiler free. I mean, literally, you can trust. I kept a secret from Jeff Jeffy Wise about Cyberpunk 2077. Don't anybody fucking comment or reveal it. He's finally playing the game. Kept that secret for like three years. And I text him like 15 times a day. So, like, that's like the level of spoiler freedom that I expect when someone says spoiler fucking free. There's not going to be any... I mean, if, if I'm going to say anything, which I don't foresee that I will, I will preface it by telling you like when to jump to a time code or whatever. But that's a huge pain in the ass. So I'm just not going to fucking spoil anything. I'm a big believer, and this is one of the hardest things about, you know game criticism both in print and online and the 10 years doing this show is talking about a game where I, I, I think about it. think about all the movies that have been ruined for you by someone who says oh but the only thing I'll say is yeah I don't do that homie don't play that I hang up on people best friends I hang up on them I will walk away from a gathering of close friends, and I, I don't have enough close friends for a gathering. 
me and a close friend qualifies as a gathering to me. That's how few fucking close friends I have. Um, but I will walk away. If, you know, blah, blah, blah. How the fuck do you think I managed to make it through all those years of Game of Thrones without ever having seen more than 30 seconds of one episode from season one? I think it was the first episode. I think I saw 30 seconds of it. It took like 10 years. I refused to watch it. Then I caught up the, like, literally perfectly in sync, it was like eight seasons or whatever just in time so that because my mom was a huge Game of Thrones fan she still is I guess, although I don't know that anyone can still be a Game of Thrones fan after but anyway, I, you know, whatever, they landed the series it's fine, um, anyway I watched all of them at once and caught up just in time to watch the series finale with my mom completely spoiler free brah so that is the type of spoiler freedom that I demand and that you can expect from me in this game now I am not operating off because this was too important to leave to the hands of the, the, the misbegotten miscreant fucking vagabond brainless zombie undead hands of crack engineer Ivor Ivorsky Molina um, so we didn't do a rundown for this show I just have in front of me three pages of notes written in longhand and uh, let's sit, let's start by saying this couple of things about me and role-playing games. I hate role-playing games. In general, I do not like them. I find them generally unexciting. If they are role-playing, I need them to be turn-based. Baldur's Gate 3, just like the previous games, previous iterations of the Dungeons & Dragons deep rulebook, going back to when I was still pirating games for Windows in my parents' house, back to the days of Usenet, uh, Baldur's Gate 1, that entire thing remains intact. Baldur's Gate 1, I did I think I beat it. I can't remember if I did but I think I beat it. Hey, it's me, Emmeline. By the way, uh, that's gonna probably happen a lot. It's it's worse than hey, listen to me. Like some people, like you can tell like what type of games a person's played is to like if their panic cue of like intense revulsion and hatred is it's me Emma Wynn or if it's hey listen one is PC and the other is N64 but so for as little as I like in general role playing games I played a bunch of them and I know what a good role playing game is I'm also I, I did not I played like a little bit a Baldur's Gate 2, I want to say, and then I didn't play, I I mean, I barely, like, it was, like, just the tip. Um, like, we're talking, like, 45 minutes or whatever. Blah. I remember Baldur's Gate 1 as being one of the most difficult games that I'd ever played in my entire life. And, by the way, it's me. You could trust me, because it's me, Emmeline. You know, it's me, 
I don't know. It's weird. My Christopher Walken is like lurched into a hybrid. It's a me Mario, but instead of Mario, just replace it with Emily. I thought Baldur's Gate One was a fantastic game. I thought it was incredibly difficult. I thought that um, it was a landmark title, even at the time, like instant, instantly a landmark title. Um, and I didn't care at all about Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I cared about GURPS, though, so I was familiar with you know rule books and 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 the way like you play a game in the style of Dungeons and Dragons, like a dungeon master. Forgive me if this is extraneous information that you know. I assume that you're all already familiar with, but some people who've never known anybody who's ever played Dungeons and Dragons or GURPS, GURPS is what I was interested in. Um, you know, it's a fantasy role-playing game, in the immortal words of Tom Servo. Oh, shit. I ever pull that sound effect, put it at the top of the top of the episode. I don't care. I don't care how much editing we gotta do. I don't care if we have to stay here all night. Welcome to my fantasy role-playing game. Meaning, my fantasy role-playing group. Meaning you have a dungeon master who is basically the narrator, and also the guy who is the ultimate arbiter of what happens to your characters. Around you, you have several other people who are playing various different roles. And these roles are, you know, as formalized in video games uh, ever since, are characters that they create. And they have special abilities and, you know, they have statistics and everything that is of importance in combat or... uh, or other things requires to roll the dice and how many dice there are to roll and how many sides there are to roll and what a pass you know whether or not the roll passes etc 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 meanwhile everyone basically I don't like modern D&D games are so much fun to fucking sit in on just to even fucking watch and it's also where the smartest people on the face of the planet go they all go to D&D. The appeal of D&D has always been uh, the storytelling aspect of it. Now, different groups are different groups. Some people love having um, you know, like a really crazy game master who's really really vicious and improvisational and unfair and mean and sadistic other groups like to fucking get dressed up in full cosplay regalia and occupy you know in their own limited ways because you know not everyone is a fucking professional actor um, become the personification of their character and communicate only like, as if, you know, in the Stanislavski method acting school of role playing, they really role play as their character. Um, other groups, the more fun groups, the ones that like I find particularly impressive are modern D&D groups where there are like a lot of players actually. Um, and using, in fact, a friend of the show, um, what's his name? Quinn the Mo. Quinn the Mo from the Discord. Uh, evidently uses AI in some way. But I've seen, I, I know the tools that are used for most modern D&D groups that are technologically oriented 
Um, so it simplifies everything because it means you can have more people at the table and uh, the, where everyone is doesn't have to be plotted out like with miniatures or on like a map. It's all done digitally. Um, and there are a number of tools to do that. I For a while, I was kind of fascinated in making one of my own for Linux because um, all the ones that I I have seen in terms of map design, map creation and keeping track of combat roles and character sheets and status effects and etc, etc, etc all of which help everybody. The faster that shit is dispensed with the more fun the actual game is so when you can have more people at a table you can have more people at the table but also um, enjoy the benefits of the actual campaign, the adventure that you guys are on, and the most, cru- for me, the most crucial thing about this, and there's different styles of dungeon masters, the person who's the narrator, the final arbiter of what actually happens. They can even supersede dice rolls if they want. I mean, you know, it's not, not like they're gonna do that like in a... I don't know. Do they have tournaments for Dungeons and Dragons? I attack the darkness! Are there chicks there? I'm getting drunk! Um, attack the darkness. That's what we're going to call this episode. But last major D&D game that I sat in on was like 12 people. And it was amazing to see how much fun they were having now that you don't have to worry about but I had that equipped. No, you didn't have that equipped. You know, it's all basically like a digital thing. Everyone still has their pen and paper and their dice and everything. But um, you don't have to fucking build you know, miniature models to fucking represent combat in crazy places. You know, they had an overhead projector. Well, it wasn't an overhead projector. It was actually just a miniature projector that ran from this guy's laptop whose house it was. And um, it was amazing because realistically, the game master, the dungeon master really didn't, in this particular case, really didn't get involved in anything other than to answer questions and he knew the answers to the questions. He didn't have to shuffle through papers or whatever and you know we're all getting high and stuff and we're all you know so like it was just it was super fucking fun and that game raged on for I think 13 hours. It was the regular weekend game at at that guy's house who I went to uh, high school with. Um, and it was interesting to see how once you can just get into the guts of the game and then also have a game master who does have a very has a very good story. It's amazing what can happen because it's like this collective delusion where I mean everyone knows it's a game but you know some people are more in character some people are less in character some people are partially in character like they'll shift back and forth it's it's fascinating and wonderful to see and it's actually a lot of fun to watch and listen to there's a lot of podcasts and stuff that stream uh, D&D games in fact uh, Joe Drakemon Kennel prior to COVID was 
planning on streaming his weekly game um because it's just so much fun even if you're not playing just to sit there and like you can see the map and you can see what's going on and etc and the idea here is that a game is no fun if you kill everybody all at once and that's the end of the game fuck you ha in the immortal words of uh whatever the guy from gecko and fallout 2 was for tragically garnering ha ha I win fuck you you are dumb like that's not the purpose of, of this this is this is to do like a minor theatrical improvised performance with gameplay elements that are based on chance skill and uh narrative storytelling in an interactive fashion between multiple people that occupy temporarily a world that is outside of the otherwise crushing ball-busting absolute fucking mindless nightmare that is most of our lives. (laughs) It is a pure escape. It doesn't mean that like, you know, and by the same token, it does not mean that there still aren't arguments, but it's it's Zork. It's Zork. It is theater of the mind with a bunch of other people and collectively you know, this isn't live action role playing. This is Dungeons and Dragons tabletop role playing. And it is from I don't know, LARPing, I've seen I, I've, I've been to LARPing sessions as a, a much younger man. I'm not a big fan of LARPing. I should have been though because there were chicks there and they were kind of into it but I didn't understand um, because there was no game master to really it's like you know everyone's just like mingling and like it was difficult to get a sense of what the story was but with Dungeons and Dragons one last game I sat in on I, I didn't take a character I didn't I just I just watched and then talked with everyone at smoke breaks and stuff um, it was phenomenal um, and it was like the highest pinnacle of Dungeons and Dragons so it's this collective theater where, but it has a guy who is got all the tricks up his sleeve as the dungeon master he knows the things that you don't and the way he tells you about the things that you know and don't know the way that everyone tries to probe him and kind of attack him and like in an interrogatory way because every piece of information generally counts a lot um and so it's also it's cooperative across all and the dungeon master has a story to tell you whether or not you want to hear that story, whether or not you want to go on this particular quest is one of the great challenges for being a really good dungeon master. Finding ways to bring together actually the party inside of the game that you're all about to play. This is like the exposition. This is like the meet and greet phase. And well, if you're the dwarf king of fucking, you know, whatever, and you're the ice 
mage of fucking, you know, where how do we bring all these people together? Well, and then get them on the road to the objective. And so this is the whole concept of side quests and stuff, because every adventure generally starts off with like a bunch of side quests. Baldur's Gate 3 one day soon in the next couple of years a lot of the guts of Baldur's Gate 3 will actually be driven by an AI. Um, Claude.ai does a really good job of and you know it's super flexible and it'll be able to do the rendering of the graphics and everything and even able to artificially intelligently generate on the fly realistic readings in both tone and content according to characters so everyone will be almost in, it, it's going to be amazing Baldur's Gate 3 represents for me the highest watermark of a role-playing game on a computer that I have ever experienced. Uh, It hybridizes the very best elements of the Dragon Age franchise with the very best elements of Baldur's Gate 1 with the very best elements of Fallout 2. It is intoxicating in its illusion and presentation of free will, which I think is fundamental to every great fucking video game, whether it's a role-playing game, turn-based role-playing game under the Wizards of the Coast D&D rulebook, or if it's a first-person shooter. I need the illusion of free will. It is an overwhelmingly overwhelmingly brilliant game. This is not a review. A review will come. But in lieu of a review, I mean, I've I've got... Okay, so if you look at my playtime for this game, it says I played 26.6 hours. That's not true. You have to subtract 8 hours. I only got this game to run 4 days ago. I had problems getting it to run. I had no problems playing the early access version uh, for an hour and a half when we did our first feature on it. That was several years ago. So I've played enough Baldur's Gate technically to justify doing a review right now. This is not that review. This is an advertisement. Do you like going on an adventure? If you say yes to that, then Baller's Gate 3 is going to knock your... It's going to fucking knock your 
balls off. It's going to blow your... Prepare your mind for sloppy blowing. Put a towel down. You're going to want to lock the doors. You're going to want to, like, turn off the phone. You're going to want to quit your job because you're going to be blown so sloppily. It's going to erase your brain. If you're going to steal, steal from the best. And uh, <laughs> Larian, Larian Studios, developers and publishers, oh, this and also the excellent Divinity Original Sin series of games, has made a, just a stunning. It's going to be, it will be. In a year or two, it will be overwhelmed and forgotten by the rise of AI-powered role-playing games that can handle this type of complexity without the effort that these people have put into this, which none of which shows through, by the way. It is an exquisite game. I'm going to talk over the next three pages about why I feel it is such an exquisite game. Um, but I have a very strong feeling that if there is humanity left in 10 years or whatever, and if they are so inclined as to be historically, retrospectively minded, putting things in context... And if they are so inclined as to make a study of the history of the role-playing game on PC, I am damn near certain that Baldur's Gate 3 is going to be the pinnacle the apex, not just of its decade, not of its era, but of the actual genre of of the role-playing game, of the adventure, party-based, turn-based role-playing game. And so for now, this game is just a fucking excellent pleasure um it it is I think for my money you know it hybridizes stuff from other you know but the way it tells its story and the sheer fucking gorgeousness of the graphics and everything all of that stuff all that perfume overwhelms of course and strikes perfectly. The voice acting throughout is just off the charts. I have never, ever, 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 ever posted anything. Not to Twitter, not to any of the blogs that I currently run. I've never even fucking bragged. I've never, uh, not bragged, uh, um, gushed enthusiastically about a soundtrack in print. And I've been a fucking game critic for God damn it, over two decades. This game's soundtrack, Borislav Slavov, 
fucking genius. It is phenomenal. It is fan-fucking-tastic. New fucking, new, new name. If you're making a video game and you have, you know, $10 million or what, you know, maybe a million dollars to spend on on a composer for it, composer, arranger, Borislav Slavov. Unbelievably gorgeous soundtrack. I mean, it is phenomenal. I've sat here... St- Oh yeah, by the way, if you want to know what you should do, you should go buy this fucking game right now. You should also get some weed or like some booze. You can play this game alone or with your friends. You you can play it cooperatively if you want. I I like playing it alone. Uh, I, I I'm a loner. I don't have friends, so like I I, I don't have a choice. Um, I've read up on the how the multiplayer actually works. It's fucking it's simple fucking pure genius. Just like everything else in this game. So go buy this game, get some weed, get high, get drunk. And sit there and fucking play it. Play it. Play it the first night. While you're drunk and stoned and all excited and make a bunch of snacks too for yourself. You can get other people. Make them watch you play it. <laughs> it took me six hours to get through character creation. Not because character creation was complicated. It's so simple and powerful. Oh, we'll talk about that. So, so yeah. And as these people watch you create your character, while you listen to this glorious soundtrack, and as the weed takes hold of you or as the booze takes hold of you or as just the game's entrancing awesomeness the sheer scope and depth and scale of what you are playing begins to register slowly in your mind tingling up you know your sober nervous system You'll see quaternions split, subdivide. They form two pairs of four, then fractally choose to tilt symmetrically on all four cardinal directions, arbitrarily angling them. They reorient themselves to your actions, your behavior, your behavior and your decisions. They split and expand into mandalas like fractalized kaleidoscopes effortlessly seamlessly expansively in seemingly infinitely drawing you in I've been working on a novel lately and in my novel in the process of making my novel I I had to do a lot of world building and in this process I make the world but I make it from the world inwards meaning I don't start with the exterior of the world I start with my character and this game lets you truly make the world in the exact opposite way You start with your character 
whatever you deem your center, you know, the center of your your character to be, whatever you you know, it could be you as in you, the player, it could be something absolutely fucking insane. And I have two characters. I've run two characters through the first three hours of the three characters through the first three hours of this game. And they are completely fucking different games. It's a, it's, it is, it is literally the fulfillment of many aspects of the dream of the idealized role-playing adventure game. Even if you hate Dungeons and Dragons, even if you hate, you know, I'm not a big fan of magic. Oh no, you're gonna love it. You're, you're gonna fucking love it. If you want, like, real combat, like, if you want, like, Diablo-style combat, you're not gonna like it so much. And I, I find the combat, well, we'll talk about the combat in a minute, but we got, we got ten minutes, right, Ivor? So, each flip so from the center, you express your preferences. It's so easy to create a general character bam vanilla it's also so easy to create the most complicated character that you could ever possibly imagine and I happen to be in a unique position because for since uh, the year 2000 I've kept the same name throughout all of my multiplayer games and every account um, on various different, you know, blah, and it was, you know, I'm relatively known and feared and formerly famous in a mild footnotey kind of, very heavily, heavily buried footnotey kind of way for my exploits as Skooky Sprite and Counter-Strike, and that meant that I spent a lot of time in chat, and I would chat in character, as Skooky Sprite and Skooky Sprite I don't want to give you too much of my character's lore but I've never been able to make Skooky Sprite Skooky Sprite is a whimsical sprite a fairy, a gnome a flying elf a fairy it's a fairy, it's a sprite it's not even a fairy, it's a sprite it's a sparkle and this sparkle that is Skooky Sprite will kill your entire fucking team with a shotgun and he did that once um he loves whimsy laughter he has an endless sense of humor and no respect for life not even his own especially not his own he does not even understand that he's alive he is a creature of whimsical mirth and absolute horrific violence. Never been able to create him in a role-playing game. I've tried. I've tried to create analogs for him. You know, you always have to round out a lot of the edges. You have to... because it's, it's, it's two contradictory fucking things. In this game, my secondary character is Skooky Sprite, and he is absolutely Skooky Sprite. My primary character, her name is Safety Lass. Lass. L-A-S-S. As in Harold Lloyd, but also a girl. Safety 
Lass. And she's basically just my generic... She's a character I created first. She's my generic... Oh, we're going to have to play a role-playing game. Let's make someone who's with strong survivability so that we can... You know, this is for review purposes, so let's make it so we don't die and, you know, make it kind of vanilla. Play it safe. Safety lasts. Then I added some tweaks to her. This shit is so easy. It's it's unbelievable. The consequences are so dire and so profound. And the differences between playing as Skooky Sprite versus playing Safety Last. Safety Last is the character that I've spent 90% of my time with in the game. But I did do the first two hours with both of them. The differences are absolutely staggering. So, but we'll get to that in a few moments. So eventually, like, you know, these steps repeat, like, you know, this whole idea of, of, of this, you know, f- this, this, this elaborate tapestry of chances and um, destinies and what, who is your character? Are you playing as yourself? Is it just a pure extension of your ego? Or do you really want to role play? It eventually normally most games it it, it it falls flat, it becomes thin it becomes shallow the mechanics of the game you know gradually eat away at the magic of it and as, as you see the inadequacies of the game and the, and the engine and the storytelling to adequately make you feel like you are really in charge of you <laughs> Or more accurately, you're really in charge of your character, and that your character is someone who, yeah, there are certain things that this character would do, but I'm, they're also, it's also me. So, like, I'm, you know, it's not necessarily breaking character. It's like, I'm, no, I'm just gonna, I really wanna know what this guy knows. You know, I'm gonna, I'm not the most persuasive, you know, my character's not supposed to be the most persuasive fuckface on the face of the planet. Well, I'm gonna fucking press gang him. I'm gonna take a roll on this motherfucker. I'm gonna see what this guy knows, even though it's not... The flip side of it is equally true. The things that your character would do, or the things that your character have advantages over... I'm talking about dialogue trees. We'll get there in a moment. Um... It overwhelms, and, and the whole thing just fades away. Like the whole thing, you know, after five minutes in the game, whole thing fades away. And it's like, as gloriously beautiful as the game is, it is more like you are literally sitting with the world's greatest dungeon master and the world's greatest actors playing as your party companions and the world's great and a cast of thousands the world's greatest actors ready to play any NPC that you might encounter and the dialogue is phenomenal um and the choices well we'll get there so there's it, it leaves you with the sensation there's really no you left there's like no no real world you, no player it's just your character and doing what your character would do if you were your character 
and it become and it slowly blurs the difference between those two egos and it's fucking glorious and it supports all visions in terms of um, what you see your characters being so in this sense it's by far the most amazing realization of playing Dungeons and Dragons in a video game ever and Dungeons and Dragons for even since before Zork is the Cadillac of imagination it was the Cadillac of video games of, of games so yeah so it absolutely immerses you in your character and it's the character creation is phenomenal it's, it's easier but also more detailed than almost any other system that I've ever seen and all of your choices matter and you can become anyone that you want to be uh, it's the first RPG I, I think I've ever played where you really can be whatever you want to be without the game you know like interposing itself to make it impossible like you know how many times like you want to be the wizard but like being the wizard in most games means like the first fucking 10 hours of the game are you're gonna die endlessly and it's gonna be impossibly fucking hard it's gonna be a ridiculous nightmare and an ordeal no you can be the wizard but fuck being just like the wizard or like spell sword fuck all that shit this engine lets you use it's so deceptively simple um, series of categories and you can combine them in, you know you have five different categories six different categories of shit like you know you get to pick an origin you get to pick or you can pick a pre-made character it's fine or you can pick a pre-made character and then uh, basically create a clone of it that you can customize in any way that you want and this is to say nothing of the visual aspects of your character so ultimately like the final thing that you you made your character when you put your name onto your character, you are already very attached to this character, but now you want to see how the rubber's going to meet the road. Will any of these decisions and choices matter in your character creation? Also, my first character, like I said, generic, safety last, generic, you know, survivable RPG. Now, my second character is in his most tiffling demon. Special, and he's male. He's the first male representation of Scoogie Sprite ever. I almost always play as chicks in role-playing games because it's more fun to play as something that you're not. This is my personal feeling. Um, it's also hotter. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a heterosexual... Not that this matters, but I'm a heterosexual cisgendered man. Um, and, like, if you're talking about, like, the most gorgeous... One of the most gorgeous video games I've seen in a long time... I want to see the chicks. And yes, there is nudity and sex and all this shit in the game. We're not even going to talk about any of that. So my second character is an Asmodeus Tiffling demon who specializes and this is insane. And I didn't even know this yet because I hadn't gotten far enough into the game. But suffice it to say, Tieflings and Druids hate each other. My tiefling demon, Scooby Sprite, specializes in druidic animal magic, shape-shifting magic. And his origin, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like the ultimate darkness or something. This is like fundamental to your character. So this makes Scooby Sprite a serial killer who is trying to 
get a hold of his own mind. Every dialogue option, every action choice that you have as Scoogie Sprite as opposed to Safety Lass is not only just different from what Safety Lass goes through, it is fucking insane. I have schizophrenia almost always in any dialogue with any character there is an option to just fucking kill them and it's like italicized because that's like the darkness within me it's like fucking um Mr. Brooks Mr. Brooks it's like having that in your head it is fucking awesome meanwhile Skooky he's a fucking schizophrenic serial killer high charisma lots of of personality stuff I put into him. He he's a tiefling who knows druid magic. What the fuck? He, he wants to kill himself. That's what that means. Um but literally everything in the game matters. Every piece of information is interlinked whether you know it as the player or whether your character knows it or whether you know it and your character doesn't, whether your character knows it and you don't. It's all interlinked and it all matters. Interlinked. And the game is so elaborate. It's just like D&D. You know, because most of D&D is interrogatory. It's like, well, what do I see? Where am I? You know, this is, is, you know, it's your turn. Uh, Well, you know, you're still standing in a field. Well, are there hot bitches here? No, there's no, you don't see any hot bitches. Um, Well, okay, well, if there are, can I bang them? Yeah, if there were hot bitches, you could bang them. Do you want to roll on it? Sure, I want to roll on banging the imagination, imaginary hot bitches. I'm getting drunk! I attack the darkness! Most of it's interrogatory. This game is also very interrogatory. It expects you, in this wonderful translation, um to inspect your environments, to inspect and examine every character that you meet, to talk to everyone that you meet the only information you will get out of this game that is explicit is what's told to you and what's told to you through these dialogue sequences well, let's just say that you have to always be ready for embellishments and for unreliable narrators and maybe you yourself are an unreliable narrator and maybe other people see this in you and vice versa and also both mutually exclusive one way flipped in both ways those are all possibilities so the game's so elaborate it makes like the various reactions and consequences of your actions much more than you know like I'm talking about like the way NPCs see you and even the way your party members see you. It's much more than just like a simple racial check, much more than a simple like age check, much more than a simple like what have I seen this character do if they're in your party kind of check, much more than a class type of check is she a paladin? Do I like other paladins? Do I hate all paladins? Much, much more complicated than that. Um, to the point where the game is literally not overwhelming you, it is constantly just giving you a sloppy mind-blowing 
as to how much it knows and is taken into account about your character. And the same thing is true, not just in terms of NPC dialogue, but in terms of like combat, in terms of your situational awareness, in terms of all sorts of, you know, the way this game treats traps is fucking amazing. For instance, the way this game treats its fucking in Faerun, the different religions in Faerun, um, whether or not your character knows anything about these things, it can totally change the outcome of interactions, both small, medium, large, whatever. Uh, and it does it in such a great way where it's like, you know, oh, if you have one character, you have three characters in your party, um, and they all, you so you're playing three different D&D games at once, and they're all kind of playing against each other which kind of is why I really am anxious to play this game in multiplayer um, but anyway the whole thing feels like a brilliant D&D tabletop campaign run by a masterful dungeon master everyone's a fantastic actor in full cosplay with the most amazing fucking campaign blah, so it's yeah, solo co-op either way, it's like monster camp solo single player, it's like monster camp in your fucking living room it is amazing, you'll lose yourself in the characters uh, and the game does quietly reward you for decisions that you make that are what your what the game thinks your character would make based off of, you know, their their background, their origin and, um, you know, a number of other factors, like what, you know, what type of class they are and stuff but it doesn't punish you for attempting whatever choice you want might make it harder by the way, one big piece of pro tip in the options, under gameplay turn off karmic dice, karmic dice are there to round out the hard edges so that you don't have multiple failed Row fail rolls in a row. I think it nerfs a lot of the game. I've had much better overall luck just playing with pure chance, which is where the game just simulates rolling, you know, ten, you know, like three uh, ten-sided die. Um, blah, and it doesn't have a tendency to. I mean, you might lose rolls that you really wanted. And you might miss out on opportunities that you should theoretically have been able to get, but that's fucking... They roll dice in the game for a fucking reason. It's a game of chance, and like there are certain, you know... And sometimes it's just not your day, kid. You know? And you gotta deal with the consequences. So... Like I, I was gonna say, the combat for me is almost secondary to the dialogue trees that you get when, you know, you're talking to any character. And... For the record, famously, I'm aware that I've railed against dialogue trees in general. They are generally reductive and and, uh, and attempt to direct the story in, in ways that are manipulative and meant to impart like the illusion of free will, but it's a very shallow free will. And they do this like by obfuscating outcomes and and, and setting up false choices and, and blind decisions and, you know, shit they want you to know that 
that you know force you to go through an entire sub branch of the dialogue tree and then loop back and but it's all fucking manipulative and bullshit and it's only a paper moon and they they usually pull me out of the experience of playing the game they remind me that I'm in a game it's the exact opposite in Baldur's Gate 3 my serial killer character uh, like I said almost always has an option to just like fucking flat out murder anyone that they're talking to and he will fucking do it I mean he's fucking crazy uh, it depends on my mood playing as him do I want to succumb to the darkness do I want to you know block? is it time to feed um, and yes you can have all sorts of fucking you know conditionally schizophrenic you know, subdivided Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type uh, monstrous personalities and characters and, you know, etc. Game handles it with a plum. Um, so, my serial, my Scoogie Sprite, the serial killer guy, he hasn't even really given in to any of his darker impulses. Everyone treats this guy with, with respect because he is menacing. Something is wrong with my character. It means that he can intimidate. People see something wrong in him. Very much the same way that most people see something wrong in me. Meanwhile, Safety Lass, who is like a Swiss Army knife, general purpose, highly survivable RPG character um, with just some minor thievery, minor dexterity, minor charisma bonuses. Everyone treats her like a piece of fucking shit. Um, Like she gets pushed around. Even her party hates her. And they are not shy in expressing it. Communication is part of it. It goes communication, understanding, respect, equity, and trust. That is, those are the foundations of a good relationship. The differences between these two characters alone is just fucking amazing. Um, and the opportunities that they present are amazing and the obstacles that they present are amazing the game is fucking amazing it is amazing it's an amazing game and the dialogue is basically among the best you could ever imagine it, I mean it'll shock laughter out of you um, it'll it'll it, it will fucking give you goosebumps of fear it will swell your pride, penis, vulva, clitoris, whatever it is you got, it will make your genitals pulsate with legit, epic, heroic mythology, all original to the, you know, the game, the Feron, and the Dungeons and Dragons, Baldur's Gate, and it is the third game in the franchise, they are all, it's 100 years after the last Baldur's Gate, game, but I never beat the last Baldur's Gate game, so, and I don't care I'm really not that interested but as you play, you will come to care, you will become deeply fascinated with certain things, and what they mean to certain people, either in your party, or external to your party um and the dialogue is damn near every combo, it'll surprise you sometimes with insights hearing hard truths from your disdainful companions disapprovingly a la 
kind of in the same way that Dragon's Age. There's also a camp mechanic that's reminiscent of Dragon's Age. Um, and all of the characters in the game so far, without exception, are fucking compelling characters. Like, even the ones who don't talk a lot have all sorts of shit that, like, eventually you start to wonder about and you try to pry it out of them and, you know, chat them up and shit. You spend a lot of time in this game talking and looking at things and trying to figure out how you can steal stuff and who to kill. Combat's almost secondary. Combat is also very, very good. Um... I'm I'm not going to talk about the entire combat system and the way the initiative system works, but it's very, very good. You will love the magic that you can use. You will come to appreciate the spell system. You'll also learn to enjoy the resting mechanic, the long resting mechanic, which does not actually advance time, as I have been led to believe. Um, It just spends resources to replenish everyone's health and and, um... Magicka or whatever the fuck and also allows you to reorder um, the set spells and any you know uh, magic wielding characters that you have Um, and it costs 40 camp resources which is like 40 units of food which are fairly easy to replenish and depending on where you are like right now I have 450 units of food because I try not to ever do long rests and you can do two short rests which anyway but it doesn't advance time which I thought it did and I'm not going to say anything about it but time is not on your side in this game and it's the type of dialogue just like everything else it can, it can carry messages it can inform you about the world, about your quest, about who you who you're going after what you should do or you know information about an area that you just can't figure out or opens up maybe an insight to a new approach but it can also conceal it can also be filled with lies, you have inconsistent narrations, you have various different um, types of emotions that are dominating uh, even characters in your own party but also NPCs uh, that, that can obviously prejudice them against answering honestly either out of rage or bloodlust or vengeance or fear or um, something else Something there's always something else there's always whereas most games make this shit very shallow Baldur's Gate 3 where you would dip your toe into a pool of standing parking lot water and basically hit bottom of most role-playing games that have been made in throughout, you know, seriously, that's 90% of them. Then there's 10% that, like, go much further than that, that advance the art form as well. Baldur's Gate if you try to touch the bottom 
it's going to take you the rest of your life. It'll take you 20 years. Now, before we go, I want to talk to you. Oh yeah, here's my final thought. The way the game shows, but doesn't too directly tell, especially through dialogue, gives the engine to the sweeping, swashbuckling adventure. It's a great campaign um, that you're on. But it gives you the sense that's the thing the game gives you the sense of a great conversation Um, respecting your intelligence it's like the game knows that you're smart and that it wants you to like it but it it's gonna hurt you it's gonna do things it's gonna be itself it's gonna be it's gonna be the game it's gonna be the dungeon master it's going to be fair, but it has a plan for you. It's not going to frog march you through it. It'll let you find it in your own way, on your own time, and in the ways according to which your character would find it, or the way you would find it. Uh, and it, it that experience is utterly remarkable. Um, the amount of respect that this game has for its players is utterly remarkable. And it makes no judgment. And without it judging you, without it pushing you in one particular direction, you know, like forcing you into this thing, um, it allows you to make the adventure truly your own. And it's just phenomenal. So, Baldur's Gate 3 came out uh, on August 3rd last week. It's $60, by the way. You should buy it now. I don't care. I, if you don't have the money, fucking steal it. Just steal the money and, you know, get a pay, you know, get, get that into your PayPal or whatever and then get the game and play the fuck out of the game. Also, you'll need another 100 bucks because you got to get weed and booze and food. Um, because you're gonna be you're gonna be there for a while, and your, your mind will be fucking sloppy, sloppily blown. So August third, so that was last week. That was exactly eight days ago. Um, and today, and I posted a link to the full post that they put up. Community update number twenty three. Here's to you. This is from the Baldur's Gate uh, Larian development team. During the launch weekend, you played a combined 1,225 years of Baldur's Gate 3. By the way, they don't mention this here, but it took a team of over 400 people six years. So that's a million man hours to make this fucking game. It's not important. Like, I, you know, it's not important. The numbers are not important because the game is just going to, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it. It doesn't need to tell you that. You're going to feel it. You're going to feel what that qual- that level of quality is like. But holy shit, what a number. The launch weekend, you played a combined 1,225 years of Baldur's Gate 3. Almost as long as it took to make it. And 368 of you managed to finish it within that three-day weekend. We salute you. 
We're about to enter the second weekend of launch, and thanks to you, it's looking like it might be a big one. Last Thursday, we released Baldur's Gate 3 in its final form, give or take a few hot fixes. And since you've taken it into the top, and since then, you've taken it into the top 10 all time most concurrent players on Steam ever, accounting for 28% of all player time on Steam last Sunday. As we continue to look forward to releasing hotfixes and working towards uh, our first serious patch, we also decided to look backwards this week. We've cooked up some statistics statistical highlight data from the opening weekend following launch and prepared a handy infographic outlining player choices, actions, deaths, and the like. Some inspiration as we head into our second weekend, if you will. For instance, 93% of you decided that your first journey through Baldur's Gate 3 will be with a custom character, which included the Dark Urge. You spent a combined 88 years in character creation. 86% It's awesome. For those of you who decided to play as one of our origin characters, Gale was number one choice, which is funny because he's also the seventh highest cause of death out of any other cause of death. (laughs) Speaking of death, one NPC was shoved into a chasm for every player at our peak concurrent player count. Roughly 815,000 people. (laughs) We know you're dying to race and class split. The majority of you rolled half-elves with the least popular, somewhat surprisingly being the Githraki. And they have these great infographics. But, uh... These guys, I love it. When it's a success story, when it took them six years, 400 plus people, six years, it's a million hours. I'll I, go buy this game. Get even better. Get the digital deluxe. Make make it seventy bucks. They deserve it, and you will thank me. That is just. It's just so good to see the industry rewarding stuff this this good six years is a long time even if you have 400 people with you it's a long time in a daunting daunting fucking development process this game is unspeakably complicated it makes it all look so easy you're gonna love it I know you will so down by the river cheers Four or five times A good idea Four or five times Hi there There is delight in doing things right Four or five times It is I, E.B. Farnham Maybe I'll cry I'll get you a drink And if I die, I'm gonna cry Four or five times Do you like to play? We like to play I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yaddy yaddy yo. Four or five times. We're going to have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yaddy yaddy. Four or five times. Matt Damon.
After receiving the host, marauding choir boys, half drunk on the blood of Christ, stalk unwary pensioners and seek havoc. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man. Ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.